can have a seat. <clears throat> you know, we do a lot of things in our lives in spite of some force at work. And this can happen in lots of different ways. We maybe invest money in spite of the known risk. Like we know we could lose money or make money. We invest in spite of that risk that's there. Happens in lots of areas of life. Yesterday morning, I went to Kroger and I saw half of you there, okay? And my guess is that while Kroger was closed, you bought groceries at Walmart in spite of the fact that you hated every minute of it, right? <laughs> That's the way life works. So last week, we went to see our family in Georgia and went down, uh, down the interstate. And, you know, I always keep Google Maps up because inevitably there's some kind of long traffic delay, accident, whatever. And sure enough, as we were just outside Chattanooga, we got that alert, two-hour delay in Chattanooga. You need to get off the interstate. So... You know, you do that in spite of the fact that you have no idea where Google is actually taking you, okay? And it wasn't long until we found ourselves going over Lookout Mountain on a road that was about as wide as this center aisle here and way more curvy in the snow after dark. And I can tell you for the next hour, I was very focused on the road because I was afraid we were not going to survive that. So we do things in spite of something else out there. Now, I want us to take that and put a little turn on it, a little twist. And I want us to think of not, not why we do things in spite of something, but, but why God would. Why would God, who is completely righteous, holy, and good, love us? Knowing our stuff, everything that's there, our sin, our past, our family, our relationships, all the stuff that could be broken, why does God love us in spite of all that? As we begin our year together, I want us to think about that topic, and we're going to do that by looking at several different passages from the New Testament, thinking about how God loves us in spite of something. And we're going to get into some specifics of that as we move on through the series. But today I want us to talk in the most general terms and think about the fact that God loves you in spite of your past. Now you might hear that and go, I'm not so sure. In fact, I know a lot of people who are followers of Jesus who struggle with this, who think, I'm not sure God could love me in spite of my past because, you see, I know what's there. I know the stuff that I've done wrong. I know the words that I've said. And with all that there, I'm just not really sure God could accept me back. I mean, you might be looking in your past and looking at relationships and thinking, man, I have really blown it in a multitude of ways because of the words I've said, the things I've done. There's a trail of broken relationships. Maybe there's a broken marriage and you know a lot of that was your fault. Maybe there's a, an error in parenting that you know you're at fault for and that child-parent relationship is broken. Maybe there's friendships that are broken, church relationships that are broken. And if you look at it and are really honest with yourself, at least some of it, maybe most of it is your fault. And you're thinking, with all that stuff that's messed up in my past, how could God love me? Maybe there's an addiction there to a substance, to an activity. And you're thinking, how could it be that with the trail of brokenness that's a part of that in my life, that's the person I allowed myself to become, how could God choose to love me? This morning I want to answer that question. And just to affirm that the scripture says God loves us in spite 
of our past. Now, the good thing is, we're not the first people to think about this question. And in fact, it's a question that people who wrote Scripture actually talked about, thought about. And many times, Scripture is a challenge to us, right? It's written a long time ago in a language that most of us don't know, and we have to do some work to dig out what it's actually saying to us. This is one of those passages where the, the words are so important and so relevant to us today because people were dealing with the very same issues 2,000 years ago. So the scriptures speak to us today very much like they did in the ancient world. And today we're going to look at some words of Paul that he wrote to his sort of the guy he was mentoring in ministry and faith and life. Timothy. Now, Timothy went with Paul on some of his journeys. We know that because we see him show up in the book of Acts. But we also have record of two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy to instruct him both in faith and in ministry. And they really give us a, a glimpse into that relationship, but also teach us what faith and ministry should be like as well. So today, I want us to turn to the first of those letters, letter we call 1 Timothy chapter 1, and Paul opens that letter talking about the gospel and how he had been called to preach the true gospel of Jesus. And when Paul starts talking about that, so often in his letters, his response to thinking about the gospel is praise and thanksgiving, because look what God has done. And that's just where he begins this passage today, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength. And then he talks about what that strength looks like. Strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. I say, okay, well, Paul was pretty special, right? Paul was an apostle. That made him a leader in the early church. He was a great missionary. He was a great speaker, an evangelist, someone who carried the message of Jesus to countless people in the ancient world. God chose him, chose him trustworthy to do his service. But I don't really think that's exactly what Paul's talking about. Now, Paul was unafraid to talk about his apostleship and to make claim to that apostleship. It was important to him. That's not the word he uses here. What Paul says here is that God gave me strength, and he did that by making me trustworthy of the gospel, which is true of every Christian, and of service. He's not claiming leadership. He's not claiming that he should be in charge. He's saying God allowed me to be a servant. In this passage, Paul is not setting himself apart as more important than any Christian. What he's saying is we're sort of all in this same boat together. We all have to deal with the same issues. And God, through his grace, through the gospel, gave me this strength. What does that look like? Verse 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. What's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, if you could see the person that I was, if you could see my past, you'd be shocked. Here's the kind of person I was. I was a blasphemer. So I was speaking against God. I was speaking against what God was doing. I was taking God's place. I was judging other people. I blasphemed the name of God because I opposed Jesus. I was a persecutor. What's Paul talking about? Well, if we read the book of Acts, it's all laid out. Maybe you know that story. If you don't, let me encourage you to read Paul's story. It begins in Acts chapter 9. I want us to look at just the first couple of verses of that chapter. We don't have time to do the whole story. But when Paul says, I was a persecutor, this is what he was talking about. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, that's Paul, had two names, 
was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. That does not sound like a guy you want to hang out with, right? Especially if you're a Christian. He is ready to have them killed. It almost sounds animal-like, murderous threats against those. Okay, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, to the church, in other words, Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So what Luke is telling us is that Paul, as a Jewish leader, was saying, okay, there are people, Jews, who have chosen to follow Jesus. I want to go hunt them down, arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem, and if we can, I want them killed. Okay, that's what Paul had in his past. That was the person that he had become. And he's laying that all out for Timothy because he wants to remind him, listen, if you ever think about how bad you are, I was worse. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was violent. That's clear from that passage in Acts. The word there for violent is really something like insolent, insulting. I was after people, okay? So if you want to think about how bad you've been, Listen, I was even worse. But that's not where he ends things. Verse 14. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's where the change comes. And it comes through grace. Now, grace is always a gift. At its core, that's what the word means, a gift. And God is giving this gift of a changed life. It's not something Paul or any of us could earn, pay for, do enough good for, none of that. It is always a gift which is received, not earned. And Paul says that gift included faith and love. And it is the, these three things, grace, faith, love, that changed Paul from blasphemer, persecutor, violent man. This is the change. And Paul is saying to Timothy, if I can be changed, anyone can. Because nobody's got more stuff in their past than me. And God chose me to offer grace and faith and love. And if he'll do that for me, he'll do it for anyone else. And that's sort of where he goes next. Verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying. And it may be that Paul is quoting something that was sort of repeated in the churches. Or maybe he's saying something he came up with. We don't know for sure. But here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And it really is the core of the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he adds, of whom I am the worst. So if we want to go to places in the New Testament that sort of say, okay, here's the core of the gospel. Well, this is one of them. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Who's he talking about? Everybody, right? Because there's nobody other than Jesus without sin. And Paul says it, it worked. It was effective. It was powerful enough, even for me, the worst of all sinners. So, Timothy, if you or anybody else is struggling, if any of you are thinking, man, look at my past, how could it be that God could love me? 
The answer is, he loved me. And I was way worse than anything you can come up with. Just look at what I've done. Look at the person I became. Look at my past. God chose to love me and offer grace and faith and love in spite of all that. Because he loved me so much. Verse 16 brings that thought to a close. But for that very reason, Christ Jesus died to save sinners. For that reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul's saying, listen, here's my story. My story is blasphemer, persecutor, violent man. I'm offered grace, love, faith. It changes who I am. And that should be an example to everyone who is pondering whether they should put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because if he'll accept me, he'll accept you. If he'll accept a person with my past, he'll accept a person with your past. And so the lesson for us is, whatever it is that you've done that you think is keeping you from God, he can forgive it. Whatever it is that you think that's in your past that is separating you from God, he can forgive it. And lots of us could name off a bunch of things. Because like Paul, we can look in our lives and look at the person that we have been, that we've become, and say, man, that is messed up. I've done some stuff that I'm ashamed of. I've done some stuff that I'm glad nobody in this room knows about. Because if they did, they'd probably think a lot worse of me than they do, knowing what they do know already. But even that, even those things that I feel like separate me from God, and, and they do, right? But they can be forgiven. They can be taken away so that they no longer separate me from God. Now, that's, that's a really simple truth. I mean, Paul says it as simply as it can be said here. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But it can be a really hard truth to bring into our lives. Because whether we're at a point that we are people who are thinking about following Jesus, like we're contemplating that, weighing what happened in Jesus' life, weighing what he offers us, or whether that's something we did a long time ago, but we've messed some stuff up since then, we might be thinking today, I'm just not sure that God can do that. With my past, with my baggage, can God really accept me? And the truth is right there. Whatever it is you think you've done that separates you from God, he can forgive it. But I think there's some things that we can do in our lives that help us walk that path, that help us recognize that God really can bring change. And the first is to recognize that we all have a past. Like we all bring baggage into this room. Now, you may not know what everybody else has done. In some ways, it's like, well, I, have, I, I know that they couldn't have done the stuff that I've done. Well, you don't know that. You don't know. And it may feel like the stuff you've done is way worse than the life you know that lots of people in this room have lived, but, but we all have a past. And Paul says here, I'm the worst of all sinners, but what Paul also knew is that whatever our sin is, it separates us from God. But the good news of the gospel, the offer of grace is 
can be forgiven. So whatever the sin is, whether it feels big or small, and certainly some sins have more overpowering consequences than others, longer reaching consequences than others, the truth is every sin separates us from God. The consequences are the same in that. But every sin can be forgiven. So recognize we all have a past, every single one of us. And second, confess the sin in your past. I think, well, what's the point there? It is good for us to acknowledge what's there. Now, it doesn't have to be to another person. I mean, you may want to talk to somebody about it, but more important is we talk to God about it. Because when we say to God, look, this this is my past. This is what you're taking on if you take me on. What we're saying is the past doesn't have to be the present. The past doesn't have to be the future. We're saying this is what's in the past. I don't like it. I want it to change. I feel like I'm separated from you, God, because of it, but, but I want something different for my present and my future. And confessing all that to God says this can be different because of the power of grace and faith and love. And then finally receive the gift of new life. That's what this is about. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. In other words, he is opening up a new future. Now, we've talked a good bit over the past few months about the fact that we were created to bear the image of God. We were created in God's image to show the world around us who God is. And our sin keeps us from doing that. It mars that image. But what we're seeing here is that God can recreate. Part of the gift of grace is God brings us back so that we can once again bear that image to the people around us. And so God is offering you something new, something different. And he's saying to you, you can receive this gift. Now we've all got a past. We've all got stuff that we don't like. But the good news for us is it can be forgiven. And we walk through those steps of putting our faith in Jesus and repenting of our sins. That's part of the confessing our sins and wanting change. Confessing Jesus as our Lord as well and then being baptized into him. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe that's something you're contemplating. I'd love to talk with you about that. We can walk through some of those steps together. You can talk to me after church or give me a call during the week or whatever. These are always conversations that we want to have. But the point is, whatever it is that this morning you're thinking, There's no way we can overcome this. The good news is, God already has. And he's done it in Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we come to you as sinners today knowing that we mess stuff up. Not once, not twice, but lots of times. And all of us bring a past that we're not always happy with some things that bring us shame, some things that we'd like to hide, some things we, we wish no one knew about. But God, you know about them. And today we come before you asking for forgiveness from those things through the power of Jesus. And God, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.